I'm a counsellor, psychotherapist, clinical supervisor and mentor. Would you like more people to know about your industry? I think there are times that it can be emotionally really heavy and when you're starting out um, I do believe that none of us fall into it by accident so we are definitely trying to resolve some things within ourselves as well and that it can be overwhelming because with this kind of this qualification there is an expectation for you to go into therapy as well at the yeah. same time that you're learning so you're also having to navigate and manage your stuff from your childhood your triggers mm. um, your mental health while learning um and that can be quite overwhelming but yes. with the right support in place it's i think it's life-changing it changed my life because you're listening to think tenacity podcast www.thinktenacity.com follow us on social media by searching think tenacity welcome the Diary of a Black Therapist. I'm your podcast host, Bella Railworld on Think Tenacity Podcast. Thank you, Bella, for having me. My name is Martina Jean-Jack and I'm a counsellor, psychotherapist, clinical supervisor and mentor. What date did you start your career? Okay, so I started doing voluntary counselling in 2016 and I started to work within NHS and in private practice in 2019. What was the inspiration for you to start your practice and your career? Well, over the years, I'd spent so many um, years in statutory and community settings, mainly working with young people, uh, families in the communities, and there were... Um, I did a lot of support work, but what I noticed was that mental health was a huge barrier um, and accessing these support services was also a barrier. And I wanted to try and change that um, to make it more accessible for the people I was working with. And also myself as well, because as, as a black woman, I also suffered with my mental health and I didn't really know where to go or who to seek out. Um, to find these services and also when I did have a look I didn't see many people that looked like me mm. um, and I didn't know if they existed so I was kind of wanting again to change that because I thought to myself I'm I can't be the only one that thinks like this there must be other people that think like me and I wonder if that's a barrier to um, working in these services so that kind of spurred me on to train and to go into this area. Um, and even when I was kind of studying as well, I noticed and I was very aware, again, of being in the minority within a very white kind of field. And I had some difficulties and I noticed that my differences were very stark in comparison to my mm. peers who were white because they just had to focus on academics. I had to focus on academics, being black, making sure that my passion for this is not coming across as aggression, all of those kinds of things, those microaggressions and those stereotypes that I had to battle, it was quite a lot. And that's what pushed me to sign up as a mentor at the Black African Asian Therapy Network so that I could provide a space for trainees who are also trying to go within this field. Because I think it's important 
and I feel that representation is important. Tell me a bit more about your practice. What's your specific niche? I'm trained in psychodynamic counselling and cognitive behaviour therapy. I was quite lucky to be able to do a degree at Birkbeck, mm. which allowed me to, to learn two different kind of modalities. Um, so that's kind of how I practice. I have some clients who I work purely psychodynamically with. I'll have some who prefer CBT or I have some who like a mix of kind of working on, you know, the past, the relationships, what comes up with them, but also wanting to maybe do things like journaling, some mindfulness. So sometimes I have clients that I'll do kind of some meditations with, some mindfulness, but we'll also do some psychodynamics. So I guess you could say I'm maybe closer to integrative kind of working in my practice, um, but I kind of cater to the needs of, of the individual clients that I work with. So I don't necessarily fit my clients into a modality. It's kind of like what their needs are and we kind of work that out together. So I'm, I feel quite privileged to be able to have two different learning styles and being able to combine them as well. Yeah, I totally understand that. For the audience, so that they can understand a little bit more of you about your practice area, what is a psychodemiac counselling and you also do cognitive behaviour therapy? In other words, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I better, when I said it, I was like, oh, not everybody knows what that means. Yeah, I but know because yeah, I'm in that world every day, but the audience who are new to yeah. why therapist makes a difference so what do those terms mean okay so psychodynamic that is all about the unconscious that is all about your relationships your past your childhood oh, yeah so going back related as well absolutely um yeah. and it's with the belief that a lot of what we do now is rooted in that past a lot of our present day triggers a lot of our difficulties that they come from when we were younger so it's also looking at things like attachment, how we relate mm. to people, the environments we've grown up in and how that shaped us today. That's that the kind connects of the dots very well. So who are the type of clients you would work with? I think about my practice, I'd say probably about 95% of my clients are black. Mm. Um, yeah, so I've, I've had a lot of kind of people from our communities reaching out and, and wanting to have therapy with me. And also, I love being able to break the stigma that comes with that. So mm. since I started practicing, I would say that I've noticed that that has been the majority of my clientele. Um, I also work with a lot of young people as well. But if I'd have to think about the majority of the people who come to me, they're, they're black adults. Mm. And how do you run your sessions? Okay, so I have uh, in-person sessions, not many. So I'd say probably a few. Since COVID, yes. Since COVID, yeah. And then I have um, online, so Zoom or your Teams. And I also have some telephone clients as well. And can you just give an overview? What qualifications or training did you have to do? To be a psychodynamic kind of counsellor, um, what I did was, I forgot to actually even mention the CBT element of it as well, cognitive mm -hmm. behaviour therapy. So that's about, you know, how your brain um, responds to triggers, anxieties, depressions, and how we have cycles 
of patterns and thinking that keep that going. Um, that's how I'd kind of describe that as well. So for my course, I did a degree. So I yeah. started off as a foundation degree first, and then I went into a bachelor's, which was purely psychodynamic. But in terms of roots into my kind of work, there are many diplomas, there's many kind of mm. degrees. I guess it's what kind of suits you. Um, and for me, it was perfect. I did it after work hours. Yes. So I essentially did night school. So from six until nine, I was in lectures after work. So. Yes. Yeah, it does take a considerable time of training. What do you think you learned about COVID? Because I'm sure you were super busy when that first lockdown yeah. happened. Yeah, I was extremely, extremely busy. And um, although I was very grateful for my work, there were points where I found it slightly difficult to be able to contain my clients, but also to contain my anxiety over a situation mm. that we didn't know what was happening mm. and part of my role is to make sure my clients feel a degree of containment um, and with some clients there's an element of guidance that comes with mm. that so when I had clients in the room saying things to me like when is this going to end and I don't want to be here oh, and my. mental health I sometimes felt a little bit powerless and I remember taking you didn't have any answers I didn't have them. any answers. So all I had to do was hold my clients, you know? Mm. What I did was I, I lent a lot on my supervisors at the time as well. Um, and I got a lot of support from them. But at that time I was also working with NHS and I found it really, really difficult to the point where oh my. my mental health was being affected. So COVID actually gave me the confidence to step out and put more energy into my self-employment. So at current, I currently work two days a week at the Royal Academy of Music as a counsellor. And the rest of the week, I'm fully self-employed um, with a charity called Black Minds Matter mm -hmm. and my private practice and another place called Hedgedon Counselling where I supervise. So COVID gave me the, um, the confidence to be able to step out and look after my mental health mm -hmm. a bit more. Um, because I love what I do, but I found that it was really hard to kind of hit targets and have a really high caseload during that time. And yes. I always questioned whether it was time for me to leave. And that kind Why? of just gave me the confidence yes, to do that. Because there was no preparation or indication that your workload was going to increase. And mm. some viewers that may listen to this series may think, Therapists have all the answers, but you still have to look after your own mental Absolutely. health. What were the common themes that troubled a lot of your clients? It's definitely anxiety. Right. That was the main. Anxiety was through the roof mm. um, with everyone. It was like a real collective anxiety of we don't know what's happening, what's going on. Mm. A lot of people being thrown out of their routines as well. So a lot of my work, was helping clients to actually establish routines and that's something I had to do for myself yes yeah so if it, if it was something as small as I'm going to have my dinner at 6 p.m right I planned that and then I would change my clothes after I'd finished yes encourage my clients to do the same yes maybe you know doing things like that because we had so much taken away from us externally. yes 
that that was a real thing because we're creatures of habit so once That's, you take yes. away all of that you know that the anxiety levels were so high and that was something I, I really noticed mm. um that and also a lot of people were starting to reflect on their past so I'd noticed some more depression as well because people have now had time to sit um they without... had more time to reflect on Absolutely. things they put under the carpet came to light Absolutely. they had time where they may have been busy or go to the pub do this I, naturally I think as humans and I can talk about my own experience if we don't want to deal with something we naturally find a way to fill that hole yeah. so when lockdown happened and you were restricted on the things you would normally do you had yeah. to face some of these demons so to speak so hard and for people like me who loves the gym so hard because I, I don't have a gym in my house so I remember just kind of encouraging clients to like you know we now had to look at YouTube and we now had to try and adapt um our, our routines but also try and be kind to ourselves to know that your yes. body might change if you do yes. certain workouts yes. you know weight things like that that was also another thing that was coming up with a lot of clients of oh my gosh my weight has changed mm, you know I'm not doing all of us yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is it yeah, called so the corona 13 or the corona 60 <laughs> if you're if you're unlucky yeah everybody put on weight <laughs> even the Kardashians put on weight do you know what I mean? you know yeah this is it so I had to do a lot of compassion work mm. as well in mm. saying that if you have to have those extra couple of biscuits but it gets us through a worldwide emergency it's okay just have it we're yeah, all on survival yeah. mode right now and that's yeah. okay we're in it together yeah. you know yeah I, I like what you said there and when uh I host Think Tenacity podcast there's lots of tweetables and that is a tweetable if you feel like those three chocolate biscuits eat them because yeah. I don't think it's I don't think it's a great negative talk on ourselves if we keep being bad. Oh, I can't do this. I mean, free chocolate biscuits is not going to, you know, break, break, break the world. You know, I wanted to talk to you about something because your specialist series is also trauma um, and perhaps covering childhood trauma. And I learned this like much later in life that often or sometimes what presents us in our adulthood or the way of thinking are things related to our childhood or trauma we wouldn't know could you explain that a little bit so the viewers can understand how childhood does affect adulthood if we go through childhood traumas if we think about the structure of our brain and our development we are not built as children to be able to process really difficult situations right. yeah we don't have that ability to be able to really process a trauma because people think trauma is usually the thing that happens but that's a traumatic incident trauma is how we respond to that so trauma is the the anxieties, the relationships, the behaviors that come, that we learn in childhood. We learn them as psychological defenses to be able to protect ourselves because we can't comprehend that. As a child, we can't, we can't start to unpick a traumatic process. So that then starts to turn into defenses. That's so things like avoidances, things like when we go into relationship, you know institutions what they look like for us certain people all of those things 
we learn in childhood that we need to protect ourselves some way because that's what trauma is trauma is the brain's way of protecting us mm. but what happens is it starts to weigh us down because mm. we haven't processed that or had the tools as children mm. to be able to process that so that's why as adults you know we can start to do that work but it's usually at a point where we've been carrying that word that you said carrying our brains and you can correct me on this because you're the expert our brains have an incredible memory mm. because often if we may watch a film or a loved one has told us about a tragic childhood you know sometimes I may think how did you remember that like you were yeah. three or five and our brains as children we do remember a lot for those decades of years to come yeah we do can you just clarify what is the difference between a therapist and a counsellor counselling, or do they mean the same thing? A counsellor is usually somebody who does kind of work with, you know, the issues that you're facing, kind of relationships. A psychotherapist can be different. So you can get like a cognitive behaviour therapist. Right. You can get somebody who is, you know, integrative, humanistic. They're just some of the different types of therapy. So they are extremely interchangeable um but yeah counsel counseling is more kind of low level right kind of depending not on your need mental health need right yeah. whereas a psychotherapist is a little bit more kind of specialized i hope that makes sense no, it, is it, does. it is confusing but it all falls into talking therapy talking about your feelings yeah because often when you are unknown to therapy or counseling when you're typing in google you don't know what to type would you like more people to know about your industry i think there are times that it can be emotionally really heavy and when you're starting out um I do believe that none of us fall into it by accident so we are definitely trying to resolve some things within ourselves as well and that it can be overwhelming because with this kind of this qualification there is an expectation for you to go into therapy as well at the yeah. same time that you're learning so you're also having to navigate and manage your stuff from your childhood, your triggers, mm. um, your mental health while learning. Um, and that can be quite overwhelming, but yes. with the right support in place, it's, I think it's life-changing. It changed my life because you start to be aware of your patterns and you start mm. to understand why you do things the way you do. And then when you sit with the clients and they feel anxieties about being in the, the room with you and not knowing what to expect, you have a shared sense of empathy and knowing that you've been there, you know? Yes. So that's yes. the thing. Yeah. So we, yes. so that's I one thing I want people to know that we have, ther we have therapy yes. as well. I'm so glad you mentioned that because a few therapists that have been on the show so far have said, Bella, I've got my own therapist as well. And I think that's yeah. really encouraging why do you think it's important that black people have access to black therapists again i think that you know representation is so key to see somebody like you um it kind of cuts out half of the work already i'm not saying that a white therapist 
could not do a great job because there's many white therapists out there who are great. But when we think about the concept of racial trauma, there's certain things that a white therapist will not understand. Um, and also within institutions, if you look at the history that, you know, some of us have in terms of trusting people within institutions, to see somebody, a black therapist within the NHS is also quite, I feel quite comforting and quite nice mm, to see mm. that there's it's somebody. It's almost like that one layer has been removed of anxiety to get on with the yeah. jobs, so to speak. Yeah, and there's certain things that just, when I think about my clients, they'll come with their head wrap or they'll talk to me about certain things. And whilst we are different individuals, there's still a shared understanding of some things don't need to be explained or mm. you don't have to go into an educated kind of space where you have to now teach your therapist about your blackness. Like we don't have to do that. You know, it's I just, like that. And that's a treatable. It. I don't want to have to re-educate you about yeah. my culture because that, yeah. I don't know if others can see this, that sort of takes up time. And the first yeah. thing in your mind is it's unnecessary time. Then you feel a bit hesitant. When are we going to get to the problem? My time has been wasted. And then it might deter you to seek therapy because you think, oh, I've got to educate. And that's time. Yeah. Take yeah. one in four people from our black communities don't share their mental issues. Why do you mm -hmm. think this exists? Definitely, I think because there's a stigma around that. And also, again, I think there's an element of lack of trust in the authorities. When I've talked to people before and elders as well about their struggles with their mental health, for example, I've heard things like, you know, well, in the 80s and 90s, if you were a parent and you talked about struggling with your mental health, your kids would be taken away as a black woman oh, or a black person. Goodness. Yeah, what, how do you feel safe you know, about that? And also, unfortunately, we have been let down in institutions. You know, that I, I saw a program, you know, I think it was last year about you know, black women and childbirth and how you know, we're most likely to to die from things like that and I saw a documentary can... similar to that yes yeah so I don't think and I don't think it's intentional but I don't think there's been many messages that show that there's care for us for our mental health let alone our even if we just look at our physical health the messages have been that it feels sometimes unsafe to go and seek health um, health support as a black person so especially when it comes to mental health which is even more stigma and more taboo there's I think there's a not only is there shame that we're carrying and stigma but there's also like who, who do we go to with it who can we trust to help us feel that we can get better and not be judged wonderfully described and I love where you made that reference which is very clear our elders, our grandparents, there was that existence that if you do ask for help, your children could be taken away from you. Or if you ask mm -hmm. for help, you're automatically put in a psychiatric ward or a detention yeah. centre. And those things have carried on to the next generation out of fear. On this segment of the show, it mm -hmm. is called our quick fire boxing round. 
And the rules are really simple. I will give you a series of questions and you have to say the very first thing that comes to your mind. And we call this the quick fire boxing round. Okay. So Martina, are you ready for your quick fire boxing round? Let's do this. Fantastic. Android or Apple phone? Android. Android all day, every day. Online diary or paper diary? Paper diary. Early morning workout or evening workout? Evening workout. Netflix or Amazon Prime Video? Netflix. BBC News or Sky News? Neither. <laughs> Great. I don't Pod watch the news. <laughs> Great. Podcasts or listening to the radio? Ooh, radio. I'm sorry, and this is a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. It's all right. Still water or sparkling water? Still. Living in the countryside or living in the city? Countryside. Working from home or working in the office? Oof. Working from home. Taking the bus or taking the tube? The tube. A nice cup of tea or a nice cup of coffee? Tea. Taking a bath or taking a shower? Or shower. Going to the cinema or going to the theatre? Oh, the theatre. A fiction book or a non-fiction book? Uh, non-fiction. <laughs> using a pen or using a pencil? Pencil. And finally... A nice plate of pasta or a nice plate of rice? Ooh, pasta. So, Martina, that's the end of your quick fire <laughs> boxing round. Well done. <laughs> Martina, it has been a pleasure having you on the show. And for our audience, if they want to find you on social media, what are your social media handles? Okay, so my website is mjjpsychotherapy.co.uk. My Facebook is mjjpsychotherapy and my Instagram is mjjpsychotherapy. I will add your details to the podcast show notes and thank you so much um, for your insight and being part of the podcast series. Thank you so much. Thank you, Bella, for having me. You're listening to Think Tenacity podcast, www.thinktenacity.com. Follow us on social media by searching Think Tenacity. Follow us on Instagram, search Think Tenacity. Follow us on Facebook, search Think Tenacity. Follow us on YouTube, search Think Tenacity. Follow us on LinkedIn, search Think Tenacity. For more mental health tips and to see how you can improve your well-being, visit www.thinktenacity.com and sign up to our newsletter.